Buongiorno amici. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy. My name is Kimberly Holcomb and I'm here with Il Unico, Tommaso, <laughs> the one and only. Hello, my dear. Hello. This podcast is about our love of all things Italian. And today we're going to talk about two islands off the coast of Napoli. However, before we start, I have to say, well, I shouldn't say, I want to make this noise. Ready? Can you hear that? We got several emails and messages saying, I kid you not, hey, what happened? You guys aren't drinking on your podcast episodes anymore. It's like, wow. So I thought, all right, let's bring it back. And one woman actually said, are you guys off Aperol spritzes lately? Right? Yeah. yeah. That was a Facebook post, I think. No, Facebook message. Right? So... We just made an Aperol spritz, okay, for all of you that got nervous. Apparently, a few people like to actually sit down and have a cocktail Yes. while they listen to the podcast, you know, as a couple going to Italy or something. So anyway, we're back on the booze. (laughs) And to be totally honest, it's not that warm and sunny here, but I was like, look, we can't do a scotch or something. We need to stay true to our podcast. Certo. So Aperol Spritz, it is. It is. All right. Welcome to episode 53. And it is on the islands of Procida and Ischia. We're almost finished with all things Costa Amalfitana, meaning the Amalfi Coast, because we covered most of the villages on the coast drive and all the way down to Salerno in our previous episodes. And Salerno is not technically part of the Amalfi Coast, but I love it so much that we dedicated an entire episode to her, the mini city of Salerno. But now we're going to the two islands. And these two islands are the colorful happiness islands named Procida and Ischia. And if you've listened to the previous episodes on this area, the one adjective for me that describes the Amalfi Coast that I've used over and over is the word happy. It just makes me happy because of its geographical beauty, the color combination of the sea, the lemons, the flora, the houses, and all those ceramic tiles that Amalfi Coast is so famous for. However, I need to say this. I have to be honest and tell you that you may not be overly happy when you hear this news. It's new and it's current. Because the Amalfi Coast and most of Italy are so crowded right now due to travelers from all over the world flocking there after two years of COVID, local governments are making some rather quick but necessary restrictions. And in this case, this involves the Amalfi Coast. This past week, local officials put a new plan in place to combat the traffic on the famous Amalfi Coast Road, which I talked about in the previous episodes. The road where you need dental floss to get through. <laughs> I know, but it's so much fun. As of this past week, they're implementing a new system based on the license plate number of your car, a rental car, your own car, a tourist van, bus, etc. And it deals with the last number of your license plate. And just FYI, License plate in Italian is called Targa. So for all you people traveling there soon, 
If they ask for your numero di targa, it's your license plate number. That could be kind of important, I think, according to this new rule. If your plate ends in an even number, then you can only drive on an even numbered day, like June 20th or June 22nd. And if the number on your license plate ends in an odd number, you can only drive on June 21st, June 23rd. This will apply to everyone, rental cars, tourist vans, tourist buses, locals. It is that big of a deal that they have to implement this. And, you know, I think it's a lot of people are going to think that's bad, but it's a great idea because you just really can't enjoy some of these places that we've heard about right now because they're so crowded. Exactly. And you know what really made it happen? were the locals, the local people that own restaurants, hotels. They have to go and pick up their goods, have their food delivered, be ready for anything. And they couldn't do it because of the traffic. Yep. So it sounds drastic, but the rule stays in place till 6 p.m. So that is a little bit of leeway. For example, I have one client going in like 10 days from now and he won't arrive to the area until after 6 p.m. So I emailed him this information today. He's like, oh, good to know. But in on his first day, he'll be okay. And as he said, I have no idea what my license place number will be. No. So everyone will adjust, but it's just sadly part of what they have to do to make things flow. Yeah. And do you recall, I was thinking about it today earlier, didn't America do this during a gas shortage, it all went on an even an odd number of your license plate. I don't remember. I think it was in the 70s because I had that little Volkswagen bug and it cost like $5 to fill up and you had to wait until it was your turn to go. Huh. I don't remember. I didn't get a driver's license until I was 18. <laughs> well, you weren't a farmhand. I got one in 15. Okay. <laughs> anyway, things like this are very important to know about. That's why... Tommaso, actually, he's my man on the on the ground that looks at every single bit of news. He's a news junkie. And he sent me this this notice yesterday. I was like, oh, so important to know because I literally have several clients going to the Amalfi Coast, as I'm just mentioned, in the next couple of weeks and all the way through July, August and September. And they're going to keep this in place until Easter of 2023. That's how significant it is. So probably a good time to tell people that I'll be doing a very quick podcast, a short one. Won't be a full episode, obviously, but it'll be maybe every three weeks or as news dictates. But travel tips with Tommaso to make sure that we get you the name. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I know the guy. He's (laughs) he's pretty good. Um, Just to get you some information that's current because we read a lot of Italian papers and we get a lot of Italian news. We'll be putting it out there. Travel tips with Tommaso, probably five to eight minutes, maybe every two weeks. Who knows? So now let me carry on with this episode on these islands and hopefully some of you can visit them and or the Amalfi Coast next year, whenever, but off season and take advantage of this happiness that I've been mentioning for all these episodes. Let's start with Procida. That is spelled P-R-O-C-I-D-A. And the emphasis is on the first syllable, just like... Capri. Just kidding. (laughs) Just Capri. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, you got me there. (laughs) 
So, <laughs> Procida Capri. And to be completely honest, I can't give you an exact percentage, but most of the syllables, most of the pronunciation in the Italian language is on the first syllable. So, if you're ever in a bind and you're trying to ask directions somewhere and you're worried about how to say it, put that emphasis on the first syllable and chances are you'll be right. Okay. Certo. Procida is a teeny and colorful island less than two square miles large. That blows me away. I thought our island was small. Right? You can walk everywhere. You can... It's just beautiful, but it's so easy. So you can take a public ferry from Napoli or a private boat. The public ferry is like a hydrofoil and it takes under an hour or a private boat or the smaller boat. Either way, you'll always arrive at Marina Grande, which is the main port. And every village on the water, on the islands, that's the name. Marina Grande just means the main marina, the large marina. So the first visual that you will see upon arriving by boat to this island of Procida are all these colorful, and when I say colorful, I mean really colorful, deep, vivid, colored buildings. So you see that from afar. And legend has it, because it's a fishing village and it always has been, that these families painted their houses right next to each other a different color so that the fishermen, when they're returning home from their long week at sea, they can see their home upon arrival back to the island. That's very nice. Right? Yeah. I thought that was cute. So this visual, the colorful entry into Procida, is because these colors, they pop. They're pink and yellow and red and deep, deep Mediterranean blue. And they're all amplified by the abundant sunshine and the color of the Tyranian Sea below, it's so different from, let's say, Tuscany and Umbria, where everything is like earth in color and subtle and goes well with the greens of the cypress trees. So to see this island from a boat as you arrive with these popping vivid colors is very, very different. It sounds a lot like Cinque Terre, right? Exactly. Yeah. Remember, we arrived to yes. the first village, by boat. Yep. Then we walked to the others. That's a funny, funny episode. Right. I forget which number, but it's in there. The Cinque big, Terra, part one or two. The big swim. Yes. But then when we left finally from the last village and we took the local boat by all five villages back to La Spezia, we saw these same colors. So it's basically, the Italians only do this on a water based situation. Like, for example, the island of Barano in the Venetian Lagoon is just as colorful as Cinque Terra and Procida. And there's a few little villages in Sicily on the water that do the same. Other than that, it's a very subtle palette. But the Amalfi Coast and these islands, happy palette. Happy palette. A happy palette. <laughs> I am going to like Trademark that name <laughs> for the Amalfi Coast. It's a happy palette. Wow. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the biggest news for Procida ever is that in January of this year, it was named Italy's capital of culture, being the first island to receive this title. 
and the 10,500 inhabitants that live on Prochita celebrated this announcement with endless street parties and bells ringing nonstop. However, the mayor of the island and all the other people that were involved in proposing their island for the capital of culture said once they won it, they said that their island will always remain a fishing village first. And, quote unquote, we follow our own rhythm and tranquility is still one of the main attractions. Bravo. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Right? So doesn't 10,000 uh, and a half inhabitants sound like a lot of people for such a small island? I mean, we're an island of nine square miles. Right. And we have only 5,000 year-round <laughs> residents. I know. I think it's because, I think that amount of inhabitants now is because of growing tourism in mm-hmm. the last few years, because the high-speed ferries became more regular from Napoli or Sorrento, but Primarily, I think it was crowded at the beginning because it's a fishing village and the fishing was much more abundant and profitable from the island further out of Napoli. And they built all these, like a city, even though it's a teeny weeny island, like Manhattan type living concept, they built buildings next to each other. And so there are two stories, three stories top. So let's say each floor had a family of four. So I think that's how it all added up. Okay. Anyway, that's the only thing I can think of because I thought that number was crazy. Ten and a half thousands on that teeny place. Just as I mentioned with Capri, there are a lot of day trippers that go to Prochita. So in my opinion, if you can stay a night or two, that's the best idea. It's, as the mayor said, tranquilo with plenty of good restaurants and a lot of sweet places to choose from for your accommodations. However, as another local in Prochita bragged, she said, we are different because, quote, there are no designer stores here or thermal spas. Bravo. Bravo. Again. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Just real life without the glitz. Because our last episode on Capri was detailing the very high-end designers that are in the main town. A lot of people go there primarily just for the shopping because where else can you go except Rome or Milan, Florence to get that kind of stuff. But they go to Capri because they stay in these amazing places and they do incredible shopping. So it's way more glitzy than Procida, not a designer store in sight. So if you could stay for a couple of days in Procida, you would do the opposite. Do a day trip to Napoli or Ischia or Capri. And then you have this teeny quiet island to yourself. Friends of ours from here did did just that in 2018, I believe, and they loved it. Two nights and it was molto, molto tranquilo. <laughs> Almost too much for them. They wanted to like, you know, have a little nightlife. But the funny thing is, I spoke to my Danish friends this morning. My Danish family is a long story, but... Technically, I'm an honorary Dane, even though I cannot, under any circumstance, learn that language. But many, many years ago, (laughs) a 17-year-old boy at the time named Per came to live with my family outside Chicago as a foreign exchange student. And we have been like brother and sister ever since. So I spoke to his amazing wife, Lisa, today. Actually, can I throw something in there? Sure. 
it's not like your brother and sister because you never have arguments. A lot of brothers and sisters have arguments. And oh, you never okay. have any arguments. No, that's true. Never, ever, ever. Right. All right. This being said from Tommaso that doesn't have a brother and sister. <laughs> I just observe. <laughs> Sometimes and, it's a good thing. <laughs> anyway, I spoke to his lovely wife, Lisa, this morning for ever because they went to Procida last month. They were in Napoli, actually, for like five days for their daughter, Sophie's 30th birthday. And I suggested they take one day or one afternoon and go to Procida, knowing that Napoli is awesome and busy, busy and bustling, but also loud and crazy. So maybe they'd want like a little, you know, reposa somewhere quiet and colorful and happy. So they did. So Lisa was telling me all about it. And keep in mind, I'm the one that recommended that they go, assuming that some of them would, a few of them would kind of read up on it and figure out what to do. Why should they if they have you? <laughs> well, I didn't offer that information. <laughs> I just said, hey, if you feel like it, go to Prochita from the day for the day, take a ferry from Napoli, blah, blah, blah. So Lisa told me this morning that they got there. And keep in mind, it's Lisa, her pair's wife. Sophie, their daughter, Jonas, their son, and Tina, Lisa's sister. Danes, Danes, Danes. Tall, blonde, fair-skinned, blue-eyed, and then Sophie's boyfriend, Jonas's boyfriend, oh, excuse me, Jonas's girlfriend, and two Greek guys, awesome, awesome friends, showed up and surprised Sophie for her 30th. So there they are, walking around, Napoli, and then they get to Procida. And I have to say, to be honest, that the night before they went to Procida was Sophie's 30th. So they partied hard. Beautiful restaurants in Napoli had a late night because Napoli is a very late night city. And they were a little mal di testa. <laughs> <laughs> Tomasa knows what mal di testa is after all these years. Especially when it's a mal di testa after a night with the Danes, yes. Right. So that translates to, funny enough, bad of head. <laughs> like your head is bad. They don't have the word for hangover at all. Just mal di testa. I've had a mal di testa with this group of Danes in Italy. <laughs> France. France. Multiple Denmark. places in France. Denmark. <laughs> the United, United States. States. <laughs> yes. Everywhere. Anyway, so they were a little mal di testa. And when they got on the ferry, so this is a little travel tip. When I just mentioned that the high-speed ferry, the hydrofoil that goes from Napoli to Procida, takes under an hour, that's what they did. And she told me, she said it was like this kind of old ferry with absolutely nowhere that you could sit outside and you just go into like a ugly, you know, ferry boat and plow over to Procida. And she said, but all sat down, we're like, ugh. And then within five minutes, they're like, <laughs> <laughs> all of them because they'd been up so late. But the best part about that is once they, the boat slowed down and they realized they were landing in Procida, Marina Grande, they looked up and she said, it was so beautiful. Those colored houses, the blue sky, the blue sea, and just quote unquote, Happiness. Happiness. And the, so they, the happy palette. Right? The happy palette. 
So they all got off the boat and they're like, oh, you know, waking up from their little snooze fest on the ferry. And they're all standing there like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. See, see. So what should we do? Where should we go? Did you read anything, Perrin? He's like, no. Did you investigate anything, Lisa, Jonas, Sophie, Justin, Romanos, anybody? No, no, no. So they're like, oh, all right. So they looked up and they saw this, you know, the highest altitude from where they were. And they thought, you know, a walk would do us good. And they had already had breakfast in Napoli. They arrived at like, you know, 10 or 11. So they're like, let's go up and just sweat this Maldi test out. So they did. And they walked up to this abbey called San Michele Arcangelo. And it didn't take that long, but they could just find their way. And none of them are like church ladies like myself. They might have glanced in or not, but they just kept walking because they could see a path going up even higher. And once they got there, they were like, Oasis. It was this beautiful piazza on the very top of this mountain with, you know, a railing and it was a cafe and they had two or three options. One was a ravioli. One was like a combo of meats and cheeses, like charcuterie type place and Aperol spritz. (laughs) And so they sent me a picture from there and they had these small tables for four, maybe. So there were nine or 10 of them and they had all the tables. No one else was there. And the, you know, that famous ceramics from the hand-painted tiles from the Amalfi Coast, they're sitting at these deep blue, cobalt blue and white geometric tile tables with their bright orange Aperol spritz and their plates of ravioli and this view to die for behind them. And whomever took the picture must have been the, the owner of the cafe and they're just smiling and happy. And I just was so thrilled that they went and on their own found this place just by chance because they had done zero recce. (laughs) Anyway, below this same Abbey that I'm talking about is an old palace called Palazzo di Avalos. And it was built in 1500 and lived in by the Avalos family who governed the Island of Procida for a couple hundred years. And then finally, in 1830, it was converted into a prison and it stayed in use as a prison until 1988. You're going to be locked up. It's not a bad spot to be locked up, probably. Well, exactly. (laughs) But apparently, because my first trip there to Procida was after the prison had been closed, but it was not open to the public. And it is open to the public now. And apparently... They left everything in place on the day they closed it in 1998. So imagine this. like 1988. I'm sorry, 1988. That's what you said before. It's true, 1988. Okay. Okay. So imagine this. They shut the prison down and they leave the- Throw away the key. (laughs) Right, over the edge of the cliff because they're on top of the mountain, on the edge of the ocean. So they left all the prison cots in place with their little- rolled up towels and their slippers, this, that, and the other. But this was not like Rikers Island, okay? Right. (laughs) This had like 50 cots in a massive room. Each floor had these, because it was old palazzo. Right. So 50 prisoners slept together on their own cot with mattresses, 
I researched this today and found pictures of it. The cots are there. The little slippers are there. The rolled up towels. I thought that is a good gig. If you had to be in prison, like hard to beat. Except if you dislike people who snore because 15 <laughs> yes, people in right? a room. But it's kind of like that prison. What was it called in San Francisco Bay? Alcatraz. Alcatraz. That had a good view too. It did. Mm-hmm. It did. That was an island. This is an island. Same thing. Different century. Yeah. When... The Danes left. They were a little early for their return boat back to Napoli, and they shockingly sat at an outdoor cafe down by the Marina Grande and had another Aperol Spritz. And they all said, so happy we did this day trip because Napoli, as much as they enjoyed it, none of them had ever been to Napoli before, and they really enjoyed it. But after like three days, like, whoa, it was so loud and busy and crazy driving. So they were happy to have this reprieve on this colorful, beautiful island. All right. So moving on to Prochida's bigger sister to the West, an island called Ischia. And this is spelled I-S-C-H-I-A. Also with the pronunciation on the first syllable, Ischia. Ischia is a volcanic island. And just like Capri, it might've been inhabited by the Greeks part of that Magna Gratia colony I spoke about from as early as 8th century BC. So I bet you Capri and Ischia, they're not that many miles apart. They were discovered at the same time and the Greeks or Italians, whomever, took over because why wouldn't you want to live there? Sure. (laughs) Ischia's last volcanic eruption, however, was back in 1302. So I think it's safe to say that you can travel to Ischia without any incident of a volcanic eruption. You cannot say that about Mount Etna in Sicily, right? It's still going off. I went there to Etna um, for the first year I lived in Italy to, I was in Calabria and Sicily with a friend and we went to, we decided that driving up as far as we could to drive up Mount Etna in a Cinquecento that was 25 years old at the time, and drink champagne at the top as far as we could go was a good idea. <laughs> and, and we did it. And then we went uh, west toward Palermo and stuff. And on January 2nd of that year, Etna erupted. The largest eruption in like 50 years and all the villages below had to be evacuated. And we were there like a day and a half earlier. So anyway, I think you're safe on Ischia. Ischia is also a lot larger than Prochida with about 18 square miles and 21 miles of a jagged coastline. And Tomasa, if you thought Prochida was crowded with 10 and a half thousand people and two square miles, guess how much Ischia has in 18 square miles? Uh, you're going to tell me, I'm sure. 62,000 Wow, people, wow, wow. Right? That's 18 square miles. That's twice the size. Of Jamestown. And 62,000 people, we have five. Wow, that's like right. shoulder to shoulder. So it it's seems, like Newport on a crowded weekend. Seems like really, really, really crowded, but I've been there. I certainly don't remember it being that crowded. However, it might be the same concept. All these buildings attached to each other and families of four or six living in them. But anyway, if you had the choice, if you're from Napoli area, And you had the choice if you were a fisherman or wanted to make your living in hospitality, would you choose Ischia 
or would you choose Napoli? Right? Mm-hmm. So island lovers, they're there. But when you visit, I don't think it feels that crowded. Okay. And most of them work in the hospitality industry, which is different from Prochita. They do have luxury hotels, like five-star luxury hotels, and a lot of thermal spas and hotels based around the thermal spa aspect. But that's because Iski is teeming with natural thermal springs. So a lot of these, you know, developers, hotel developers thought, okay, I'm going to buy the area where the spring is and we're going to make a fancy hotel around that spa concept. But there's also family-run accommodations, family-run restaurants. So in summary, you anyone can find anything they want to stay in in Ischia. And personally, I think that, that Ischia is much less polished and less commercial than Capri. So even though there's five-star hotels, it is, there is everything. And it's really, really enjoyable and just more authentic. Just more authentic. Okay. My first and only trip to Ischia was about a year before I had to leave Italy, sadly, due to the lack of any legal status whatsoever. Once the EU was forming, I had to go. Gave you the opportunity to meet me, though. That's true. (laughs) That's very true. I was so annoyed to leave. I was so angry. I came back and whatever. And then about eight months into it, I met Tommaso. So all worth it in the end. So my first and only trip there, I remember it as completely idyllic. It had everything. And keep in mind, I had been traveling all over Europe when I could. And I lived in Milano and was used to like the northern cuisine. Or I would go to the south of France where Per and Lisa and the Danes lived for 30 years. So I was used to what I was used to. And culturally, I got my fill by going to Prague and Romania, Budapest, you name it. I just went everywhere that I could. And then right before I had to leave Italy, I was like, I want to go down to Ischia because I'd heard about it for so long. So a couple of friends from Milan, we all went down and we landed off the boat and I just smelled it. I looked at it. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. So we rented Vespas. We were there for maybe five days and we rented Vespas. And I remember this more than anything of that trip and this completely idyllic vacation. I remember, and this is in the days, I have to say, when helmets were not required. Required, I mean, I never saw a helmet in Milan with everyone on their Vespas and motorcycles. They weren't required. They weren't even around. So there we were. I was with two guys and two girls. And there we were, no helmets, Girls had on little sundresses and we had on like flip flops, no, you know, sensible or protective shoes or anything on these Vespas, no helmets. And we just rode every day all over the coast from village to village. And it was this bliss of salty air, the breeze in your hair, just had on sunglasses and summer wear. (laughs) And it was just so fantastic. At that point in my life, I hadn't been to, well, I'd been to 
like Indonesia and Australia, those were amazingly beautiful places, but I hadn't been in that point in my life to a tropical place. No, that's not true. I had been to the Caribbean. So my memory from that trip was nothing but just pure and utter joy and happiness. However, let me say that I totally understand why you should wear helmets on a moped or a Vespa now. I feel personally lucky that Tomaso and myself at this age lived through those days where they weren't required, but I totally understand. And if I went to Ischia tomorrow, I'd rent a Vespa in a second and wear the helmet. Okay, so you can do that. And I suggest either renting a Vespa or a scooter and or a little cabriolet car because there's nothing better to put you in this mood, island mood of cruising around all the coastlines and seeing these sweet little villages with the fishing boats everywhere. Everything's colorful, not as colorful as Prochida, but just happy, fantastic place. So I highly recommend seeing the island that way. And there's also a bit of diversity here, which is good. For example, Ischia Porto, where the ships arrive from Napoli or Sorrento or wherever, is commercial and busy, but with all the things you need, like go where to go to rent the Vespa or the car or the equivalent of like a grocery store. And then there's Ischia Ponte. Ponte means bridge. And that is much more authentic and kind of a old world laid back vibe. And from both of these ports, you can find private boats. And that's the key thing here. If you feel like splurging, they're not that crazy expensive, hire a private boat. It's an awesome way to see the island. They'll take you around. And I have mentioned so many times how Italians love, love, love to swim. They love the ocean. So if you rent a private boat, I kid you not, the first thing out of the guy's mouth will be, so uh, I'll take you to a private spot that no one knows about. <laughs> no one. And you can have the most amazing swim of your life. So do it. <laughs> he took the same people for the last 30 days in a row to this private spot, but it is unlike anything. The water is like Caribbean. It's warmer. It's stunning. You're looking up at a volcanic mountain. Yep. It's just awesome. So a boat or a Vespa or a cabriolet. And if you're driving around or taking the scooter, you can go to two super charming villages. One is called Laco Ameno and it has a beautiful little marina. And the other village is called Forio, which is also very picturesque. And both ports are filled with these wooden fishing boats still to this day. They're hand-painted, colorful. They're just they just add to the vibe of the fishing village concept, which this island has lived off of forever. Now it's more tourism, but fishing is still a very big part of it. Because they, because you need fish, because they eat a lot of fish. That's right. The entire cuisine is fish, basically. I say that though. However, going back to my first trip, I remember that everywhere we went, and keep in mind, we were, you know, had zero budget. We spent most of our money on the Vespa. We stayed in like nothing special because in those days we didn't choose or I didn't choose to spend money on accommodations because I wanted to see as much as I could. And, you know, money was limited. So you'd splurge on something like a Vespa. 
or we'd find a kind of good restaurant, you know, kind of upscale for us. And I remember the first day, the first meal in Ischia, they were pushing this dish and I didn't know the word for it. I knew the word conilo, which means rabbit. And I was like, what? They're talking about rabbits? I saw rabbits all day. This was like our first dinner. And I was thinking, I saw rabbits all day running around this island. And that's their biggest meal, a rabbit stew. Ooh. Yeah. A meat driven dish <laughs> instead of the seafood. And the seafood you don't see during the day. So you're not getting to say, hello, rabbit. Hello, bunny. You know, you know me and my. Yes. Your love of animals. Yes. So see, Tomasa, the cuisine is awesome. Very seafood centric. Let me just say, for the non-water activities, there's a few hikes up to that volcano, Monte Epomeo, which, again, is no longer active. So don't get worried. You can hike up there. It depends where you start, what end you start at, and kind of on your fitness level. It can take one and a half to two and a half hours. The best part is you will walk through these tropical jungles, seriously, they're like a tropical jungle. Remember when we went to um, Nevis? Right, right. In the Caribbean, there was part of the island that's also volcanic. Right. Tropical jungles. Right. And the flora and the vegetation that you will pass on your way up to this, the top of what's left of the volcanic island, it's unbelievable. It's as if you're really like, in the tropics. I'm having trouble visualizing that because the other Italian island that I've been to is Sardinia. Oh, yes. That's very barren. And very barren, yes. very desert-like. Yes. I think all of this tropical growth is from the volcanic ash. I don't know. I just made that up, uh, but sounds good, right? Okay. Because Sardinia doesn't have anything like this. Right. And here's the point about taking this hike up to Monte Epomeo. When you are on a hike like that, and let's say that you like to hike and you're normally hiking where you live, you're used to what you see. So all of a sudden you're on the island of Ischia and say, hey, I'm going to do like two and a half hour hike, two hour hike. Let's go. You start seeing flowers and vegetation that you aren't accustomed to. And they're so different and colorful and tropical. So you pay more attention to that hike and you realize that the entire two hours, you saw way more flowers than you have had probably in your entire life. And then you get to the top and the view's amazing. And you just think this was the best thing to do for the last two hours. And also, guess what's at the top? A bar? Yes. <laughs> a bar and a cafe. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Italians do this. They put a place at the destination. It's like a refugio. Right? <laughs> refugio. Refugio. It, they, Sorry. They put a place with food and drink that will make you happy at the end of a destination. So you can celebrate. Yes. 90% of the time, it's delicious. I love that concept that the Italian culture has. Here's an option climb to the top of our old volcano and, and we will reward you with an Aperol spritz and pasta. And probably a pretty nice view. Oh, yes. A very, very nice view. All right. In summary, I could easily stay in Ischia for a week. Tommaso, 
if you and I were going to go like make a plan, I'd say, let's go to Ischia for a week. One day we would do the reverse commute and do the day trip to Prochida or we'd go to Napoli or we'd go to Capri, whatever. The rest of the time you can have, be on a scooter, you go inland, you go everywhere. Another day you can rent that boat, go swimming in the secret, secret spot. Or you do the hike one day. Easily five to seven days, I could be completely enamored and think that you just had the absolute best, best vacation in a place that's so different from what you think of, of Italy. With cuisine to die for, excellent wine from Campania, it's like a complete win-win situation. (laughs) Fair enough. We're there. All right. Let's do it. Before I sign off, I want to gently remind you that I'm planning people's trips for 2023 because these clients all chose to go next year instead of this year, hoping that Italy would be a little less crowded. So if you want any help for a trip next year, please get in touch now. And this way you have an entire year to be excited about your trip and not stressing out at the last minute. And also because as you've said, you came up one day, Kimberly's office is downstairs and mine's upstairs. And she, World headquarters. World headquarters. And she came up and said, these places I was looking at for next year for this client are all booked for 2023. In popular places. Yeah, that is yeah, very true. Yeah. But I also am bringing this up now because in the last 10 days, I've had so many people get in touch and I am helping them fine tune their trip that starts one gentleman in like eight days from now in the Amalfi Coast, a couple other in the Amalfi Coast, some in Lake Como, you name it. And they had planned most of the trip on their own. And then they panicked when they heard about how crowded Italy is. So they reached out to me and I am helping them make their trip as perfect as it can be because I know the little ins and outs of how you can avoid you know, the little ins and outs and, and also the planning aspect of it. You can't just, or let me just say, it's not that you can't, but you're not going to have a wonderful experience showing up and hoping that you can, you know, get a driver exactly, and get restaurant reservations. You've had, you know, people that can't get restaurant reservations. They panicked. Exactly. So I'm helping them navigate this crowded season and... I'm happy to do it, obviously, because they will have a better trip. But I'm just throwing this out there now because it is so crowded. And if you want to go next year, you need to start planning now. And if you want my help, get in touch now. Certo. Certo. Allora. 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 Tommaso's trying. He's still trying to roll his R's. There's some things I just can't do. You might be able to. Never. Another Aperol spritz and you can roll all day. I'll I'll speak Danish if I have another one. (laughs) So our next episode next week will be on the crazy, loud, and one-of-a-kind city of Napoli. To be honest, it's not on the top of most people's list, which actually is a good thing. It's a little less crowded, but Perrin Lisa and the Danes were there one month ago, the end of May, and they said it was kind of crowded, but not as bad as they heard that Italy was. But a lot of people are intimidated by it, but I 
think it's awesome. And as I mentioned, none of these 10 Greeks and Danes had ever been to Tinopoli and they loved it. So it is a worthy place to visit, in my opinion, but it's not for the faint of heart. heart. Okay. That's all I'll say. <laughs> so if you're not for the faint of heart, tune in next week while we talk about Napoli. <laughs> Va bene. Grazie mille. Thank you for listening. We are now, oh, big news. We're now in how many countries? 86. We are listened to in 86 countries. I find that just so fantastic. So thank you very, very, very much. And we appreciate all of it. The reviews, the ratings, the emails, the Instagram messages. Keep them coming. Grazie mille. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao tutti.